0: Hey black widow weaving wisdom in your web, share with me the secrets that my ancestors left, whisper words of truth that'll ground me to the core. Set my heart on fire. I'll be idle no more. Black widow, black widow, black widow. Aloha, my kako. My name is Noel Kalekalanu Okoe Ioshaw, and this is Thrive in Resilience, a podcast uh, with everyday people telling their stories about how uh, they've overcome things or just embraced where they are in life to have hope for the future. Uh, Today, my first guest is my husband, Kenneth Shaw. I'm really excited about it, and he has no idea what he's getting into, but it's going to be fun because I have no idea what I'm getting into either. So, hi. Hey. (laughs) Um, So how this is going to work is I'm going to ask you eight questions and then I'm gonna do eight fire questions like I'm Brene Brown okay (laughs) Uh, but I'm not Brene Brown but it's okay Um, and the first question is how are we connected
1: I mean obviously we're married so uh, to go back to the baseline of that how are we connected we met in college and you know we started dating from there and we ended up getting engaged and we moved to Portland And after living in Portland for a year while you were at law school, we moved to San Diego and we've kind of just continued our life from there. Um, Now we have kids and, you know, a growing family, so does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, that's a good job. All right, so tell us your full name and the story behind your name.
1: My full name and the story behind my name. So my government name is Kenneth Raymond Shaw Jr.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have a non-government name?
1: I don't know. That's just that's how it's it's listed on my birth certificate. So Kenneth Raymond Shaw Jr. Um, Jr. Obviously, because my dad has the same name as me. Um, The the full story of my name. So the only kind of interesting fact about my name. Well, there's I guess there's two. Um, One is that my middle name is kind of shared amongst uh, my dad's side of the family, and that's tradition. That you know we've tried to keep going over the next generation of kids and you know people that came before us, and then. Uh, my last name is Shaw, but it should technically be Stone. Uh, my grandmother gave my father and the rest of his siblings the last name Shaw because I believe it was a man that she was dating at the time. I think it was her high school sweetheart or something. So she gave them the last name Shaw. Um, but I believe my dad's, my my grandpa's last name was Stone. So so it's a little bit you know different than most stories.
0: And why was? Well, can we circle back to your um, your middle name being Ray? What do you mean it's passed on? Like, how, how does that work?
1: I don't know. I don't know who started the tradition. I just know that, you know, we have a tradition where middle names uh, start with Ray or have Ray in it. I think it, it started with middle names starting with Ray, and me and my sister kind of adapted it to just have Ray in it. So um, all her, you know, her, her son, my nephew, his middle name has Ray in it, you know, and our two kids. Our two children have Ray in their middle names. Um, so it's just a cool little tradition that we're kind of continuing.
0: And then tell me more about um, Stone.
1: I don't know much about Stone. Um, I just know that my grandfather's last name was Stone, and my grandmother chose not to give uh, my, my dad that last name. So,
0: hmm. yeah. All right, this flows perfectly into our next question. Where are you from?
1: I am from Oakland, California. Which, if you don't know, is in the Bay Area, um, across the Bay Bridge from San Francisco.
0: would would that be like the like you would claim Oakland as your place as home, or like where is your family line from? Do you think that just saying Oakland captures that enough?
1: Yeah, I mean, my whole family's from Oakland. Uh, we moved to Southern California uh, when I forget how old I was, I think it was eleven. So sometime around like middle school we moved to Southern California. Um, But Oakland is definitely my hometown. Um, And I guess, you know, to that extent, I also claim where we moved to. We moved to San San Jacinto, California, which is in Riverside County. It's a really small kind of farmer's cow town. Uh, It smells like manure. But, uh, you know, that's where I went to high school. That's where I made a lot of lifelong connections and, you know, kind of got a start on becoming who I became there.
0: I just want to circle back on, on the name Stone and where you come from. Um, from the stories that I have heard, it was like the name Stone was in relation to your family's, um, what they did I think I told slaves. you that, actually, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. Well, I
1: mean, I didn't, I didn't know we are going all the way back in the history book as to like, you know, <laughs> what does your surname kind of come from? But um, from what I understand, and, you know, I'm no historian, but... Most black people, um, their names are kind of easily traced through the last names of the plantation owners or the kind of jobs that they did while they worked on the plantation. So if a last name was Cotton, someone that worked the cotton fields, or if a last name was Stone, it was probably someone that was like a stonemason or worked in the quarry. Um, so, I mean, that's that could be anyone's guess. It, it could be that, you know, my ancestors, uh, my grandmother's from Alabama, and I believe she was, uh, you know, raised on a plantation down there, so uh it, it could be that you know they worked in the stone quarry or it could just be that you know whatever plantation that uh, you know we kind of came from the the owner of that plantation's last name was stone yeah. so it could be either or
0: interesting not a lot of people know those those kinds of things or about that origin um and then talking about seneseno the first time i went to San seneseno it was it was pretty horrible place pretty horrible places it was really stinky because of nice ma- the because of the manure um it's just you know it's a farmer's town yeah i've never been to one of those before that but um i think also my first time in oakland was really interesting too can you talk a little bit more about like oakland and your your time growing up there in oakland
1: um well obviously oakland has changed now uh, it's, it's starting to become like, you know, a more livable, habitable place. Whenever I talk to people and we talk about, you know, where you're from, I say, you know, I'm from Oakland. I go, oh, I hear it's really nice there, which is in kind of stark contrast to the Oakland that I knew growing up. Um, to put it like kind of bluntly, it, it's kind of like a third world country, or it was, you know, kind of like a third world, third world country growing up. Uh, a lot of poverty, crime, uh, no real police presence, food desert just like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, hurt people and, you know, just people living in the struggle and it it was always that way. So it it was kind of like a trap, you know, you, you kind of get set up there. Uh, you, you tend to live, you know, most of your life there and you never leave. So, uh, it was kind of a blessing that we were able to get out of there because, you know, most of my family still lives there and it's just, you see like the day-to-day struggles that they go through still living there. Um, I don't want to sound, like, super negative about it because, like, obviously, you know, it always has a special place in my heart, you know, because that's where I'm from. But, you know, it's just one of those places that, you know, it's, it's just rough goings living there.
0: What do you think? Um... I guess to
1: clarify, too, I mean, that that's just, like, where I grew up in East Oakland. I'm not sure all parts of Oakland were like that. Right. You know, it was just that's all I knew uh you know if you're if you're from East Oakland then that's where you live that's where you stay you didn't really venture that far out so
0: yeah and I I remember the first time when I visited um your aunt wouldn't let your cousins play on the sidewalk even and then we had saw like a drug exchange happen in front of us and then she was telling me stories about the corner liquor store like someone getting shot there at least once a month
1: actually it happened that day yeah I mean that that trip that we went was like a culture shock too because you know you had you had never seen things like that before and that's that's kind of just like you know a, a normal day in the life there um to be honest uh there are positive parts you know but it's just from someone that doesn't really live in that environment to kind of go in and be you know exposed to those things it, it can be shocking at first
0: yeah but then and then we went back in i think 2018 for your uncle's funeral and it was very different um it was pretty gentrified. It was starting to get gentrified. Uh, there was people, like, riding their bikes. Yeah, that was, that was actually interesting That was really
1: weird. To see people riding bikes down, specifically, like, down that neighborhood where my, my aunt lives, like, the same neighborhood, you know, where I would go and visit. Cause when my grandma was alive, she, you know, she lived there as well. And my grandma wouldn't let me go outside with, like, you know, uh, headphones, uh, c- like, coming out of my pocket, you know. Like, she wouldn't let me, like, take my iPhone outside. Uh, or wear, like, nice shoes, you know. So just to see someone, like, you know, riding a bike down that street, it's like, actually, like, i oh, see a white person, like, riding a bike down that street, it was kind of like, okay, so this is happening now. Um, and I guess at the same time, too, like, you remember, like, there was, you know, signs everywhere. We buy houses, we buy houses, yeah. we buy houses. So uh, the movement of money from San Francisco, tech, like, the technology sector, um, is spreading into Oakland because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of places to live in San Francisco now, so they're just... Taking over the greater Bay like Bay Area in general, so eventually all those neighborhoods that we kind of grew up in that were you know low key war zones are gonna get priced out, and you know money is gonna move in, and the neighborhood will, will get better, but you know it's gonna push out all the people that are you know rooted there and from there. So,
0: do you think it will still be a place you consider where you're from when that happens?
1: I mean, you're always from where you're from. I don't, I don't know if you can change that. Yeah. So. I mean, it'll, it'll just be the, you know, kind of the interesting talk that, you know, you have with people. Eventually, they'll be like, where are you from? I'll like, oh, that's a really nice place. And you're like, well, you know, back <laughs> in my day, it wasn't so nice. Um, but I mean, it, who's to, you know, why would anyone be mad at a, a neighborhood getting better? You can be mad about, like, you know, the, the, the people getting pushed out. Obviously, you don't want people getting pushed out, um, especially people that don't really have much or have anything. But you can't really be mad at the fact that, like, you know, any place is going to get safer for anyone to live, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, do you want to talk any more on, on your time in San Asano and how it's kind of shaped you growing up? I know. Um,
1: I guess. I mean, just like, it it, it was it was better than living in Oakland, you know, for sure. Uh, we had more stability there in the beginning. Um... But, you know, kind of growing up in a single-parent household, it, it was it was tough for my mom. You know, she didn't really have a job, and, you know, we we were dependent on welfare for food and Social Security and stuff for food stamps. So, um, and she had four kids. I mean, granted, I think only three of us lived with her for most of the time. My brother was older. Uh, my, my oldest sister was kind of on the borderline of, like, not really needing help anymore. Um, so, you know, my mom struggled to, you know, make sure that we had what we needed and she she did her best and you know ultimately you know we we all kind of just came to this decision that I don't know if it was decision we kind of just came to this like realization like hey this wasn't going to work anymore you know we didn't have a place to live so uh, my mom was like you know I don't want you guys to like live on the streets with me so like let's see if we can find a place for you guys to live like with friends or you know someone else so you know we kind of split up at that point and all found, you know, places to live and, and kind of made it work that way. Kind of being, you know, distant from each other, not too distant, but just, you know, not living in the same space. That was, that was an interesting aspect to, you know, have to make space to make time and space to go like see your mom or sister because they live across town. Um, and I always like, you know, I my mom always pretty much had a place to, to stay. My sister did too. Um, I would say that I did, it was kind of like, I was, I was kind of a prideful kid. And so, I didn't really like asking for help and I didn't really like letting people know that I needed help so in the beginning it was easy for me to like you know stay with someone and then after a while I kind of just like felt like a burden you know it's it's interesting because as a kid you don't want to feel that way so staying with friends I started to feel bad over time so um, you know just kind of hopping around and at a certain point like actually not having a place to live Um, there was a park, I think it was Rancho Park. I stayed in Rancho Park for maybe about like a month, um, where I would use the school's facilities to take like a shower or I would, if I needed to, I would stay the night at a friend's house. And, you know, everyone just kind of was under the assumption that I was, you know, living with another person. You know, you talk to them, you're like, Oh, where are you staying at? I'm staying with, you know, X, Y, or Z. You talk to the other person, you kind of use them against each other. Um, and then, uh, you know, thankfully I found some stability with, uh, with some groups of friends. So I didn't necessarily have to do that anymore. And then towards the end of my high school career, my mom was able to find some low income housing. So I moved back in with her, but it was a journey and, and kind of just being, uh, independent like that makes you grow up fast. Um, I don't look at it as like a sob story. I don't like look at it as like, you know, anything I try to get sympathy from. It was just different. And everyone has their own like different things that they go through. Um so it, it made me mature fast.
0: In those moments, this is not one of my core questions, but in those moments, how, do you, how are you able to thrive in your resilience? Like there's so much happening to you, uh, so many things that you can't control necessarily. What did you what did you control within the circles that you could? Yeah,
1: I just kind of funneled that all into like one focal point. So like you said, I didn't have control over a lot of things, but I did have control over how I approached it and I had control over like what I did in the classroom and I had control over what I did like in athletics. Um, So I kind of funneled that into athletics and I don't know, it, it wasn't like, you know, you see commercials about people that are facing adversity and they just like lean into it and they're like, it wasn't that way. It was just like, it was, you know, athletics was just a release, right? And I happened to be good at what I did, so... It being on the field or being on the track, uh, for more time was just, you know, time that I didn't have to be somewhere else. So I spent more time in those places. Um, coincidentally, you know, I, I get better because I'm spending more time practicing or lifting or doing whatever. Um, and you know, even along the way, I, I'm smart enough to realize that, that, Hey, this is my ticket to like, you know, getting to college or this is my ticket to getting to the next step in life. So, um, it was just kind of self-perpetuating at that point. It was like, I'm spending more time on the track or the field because it gives me time away from all this other stuff. And because I'm spending more time on the track and field, it's actually helping me get one step closer to get into college. So uh, from that standpoint, it was easy.
0: Mm. Mm. Lots of discipline at a very early young age, like a really honed mind and just like focused on what you could do.
1: I guess. I mean, there was really no other options. Yeah. Um, and kind of growing up in the way that I did, I got to see a lot of examples of how not to do things. I think people, uh, well, I can't really walk in anyone else's shoes, but I think what happens a lot of times is people tend to see someone doing something and they follow along in the same footsteps because that's what they know. You know, you see somebody uh, cutting class, or you see somebody, you know, selling drugs, or you see somebody doing something uh, not so legal. And you learn from that because, you know, you, you've seen it firsthand. So you then at that point, you're like, oh, I know how to do this. Or you can have that person take you under their wing and, you know, teach you how to do it. Um, to me, it was kind of like the opposite. You know, I, I can see the good things and be like, I want to do those things. And then I can see everyone else, you know, making mistakes, whether it be friends or family. I can see them making mistakes and be like, okay, that's what not to do. So if you have those parameters set up, then it's just like following a guide, mm-hmm. you know. You mm-hmm. don't have to have... You know, one individual person tell you how to do things. You can have a whole community of people that you can look at and take the good from, and take the bad from, and basically just walk the line.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. All right. So, my next core question: um, Where are you now?
1: Doing this podcast with you.
0: <laughs> Expand. Brought in that. Like, what does life look like for you now? Paint a picture for us.
1: Uh, what does life look like? I think life looks like it looks. For a lot of people, we're all kind of in quarantine, hopefully, uh, for coronavirus. Um, working from home, most people. Uh, I know, you know some people have been laid off, but we're all just kind of in the same boat of uncertainty and just hopefulness that it gets better sooner because everyone wants to kind of get back out there. Um, we have two kids. We're moving to Hawaii soon. That's kind of where we are right now.
0: What's your kind of, like, I was that kid, and I'm from that, and now I'm this? What are you now from that kid? What am I now from that kid?
1: I would say I am still on, like, the path that was set forward by that kid. I don't know if, like, you know, you truly ever get to be the, the destination. Um, every single day is kind of like a work in progress, from like that start, I realized that I need, you know, I I think I've told you this before. It was like, there was never really any time during that period where I was just like, oh yeah, I'm just not going to do anything or I'm just going to fail. It was just like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be successful. I'll do whatever I want to do type things. Um, and nothing has really changed about that. You know, um, I went to college and I got my degree and, you know, I got my, my computer science degree and became a software engineer. And, you know it's kind of just a continuation of that path so now it's just like okay well what's the next step that kind of gets me to where i want to be you know so i don't know that's that's a hard question to to answer i guess
0: yeah it's all right to just leave it have some breath and space um i guess to follow up with where are you now like like what are you learning in this space of right now
1: um what am i learning in this space right now a lot. Um, it's an interesting time um, in the world, actually. You know, with the the pandemic going on with the coronavirus, and then you know civil unrest that's happening uh, with people of color. Um, actually, now with you know people, you know all people, and uh, the social injustices that we face, and just kind of taking on this problem of systemic racism face or you know head on. You you learn a lot about the government you learn a lot about you know leaders you learn a lot about uh people in your community you learn a lot about people that you work with family um we're all kind of like forced into like learning about each other right now because we're all like you know just stuck in the house and have nothing else better to do than to talk about these things so um it's actually a good thing that we're forced to face these things head on Mm
0: -hmm what's your what's the biggest thing you're learning right now what's your like oh I this is this is huge that I'm learning nothing really stands out nothing
1: really stands out it's just all like little pieces I guess
0: yeah okay so next question where are you going
1: where am I going like physically
0: wherever that question takes you where are you going
1: yeah well in two months we're going to be moving I don't know Was it 6,000 miles away So I would
0: I think it's two (laughs) thousand. Is it? I don't know. I think it's like two thousand five hundred. Is it really? Yeah.
1: No. I don't know. It's it's pretty far. Um, I mean that's where we're going and that sets up, you know, that sets the stage for everything else that's to come. That's a it's a big transition. Um our oldest daughter grew up in this house. Essentially. I think we brought her here when she was a couple months old. So You know, this is all she's known, and our youngest daughter the same thing. She was, you know, born in this... Not born in this house, literally, but, you know, she came home from the hospital to live in this house. Um, I've lived in California basically my whole life, except for the time being in college and going to a few different states. But um, it's going to be a big transition, I believe, for everybody, um, even you. Um, So where am I going? It's just basically to, to deal with that, to... To handle that and and basically take on like this, quote unquote, like next phase of life.
0: All right. Um, what is your superpower?
1: My superpower? I don't, I don't have a superpower. Um, but it, I, I guess I can play along with this. <laughs>
0: what do you totally have? No, I mean like superpa- superpower. I, I like you like, have multiple superpowers. Yeah, I can lift cups no, I, with my mind. No, no. <laughs> um,
1: I would if if I were from the outside looking in. I would say just I don't know, being calm. Um, growing up amongst a lots of like lots of chaos, you learn to be level headed and to be calm and to approach things uh, logically and analytically. And I believe that's how I kind of handle life. So, whenever you know issues happen or situations occur I'm usually the most common level-headed person there and I think that helps a lot in in most of those cases oh
0: yeah Um, well I mean I, I think about right now and like how you're you're the one working and I'm not working right now and if I had to be working right now um there would be no way I could really work because I can't focus and and keep the calm amongst the chaos Um, I can't juggle the multiple things at the same time like you can or just, like, zone out of of the noise or ruckus.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it could be a product that, like, that actually could be a product of, like, upbringing. You know, just kind of growing up, I I remember always having a TV on just to, you you know, always some sort of background noise. There's always some sort of music. You know, there's this, that, and the other. So even now when I work, I actually feel like most, you know, maybe the word is like at home like when there's something going on you know i have something visually going on in one screen i'm working on another screen i have music or something else and you know there's kids running around so it's just like i i kind of like find it as odd as it sounds like i find solace in that um it does sometimes get a little overwhelming depending on like how focused i need to be for something like you know sometimes anaya is just over here and she just is is pulling my arm or you know today like you know Kinley is walking around and she's trying to grab everything off the desk while I'm working, <laughs> which is like fine, but she's like trying to grab rocks and like scissors and just a ton of random stuff. So it's like, okay, I have to walk you out of the, this area for right now um, because I was in the middle of an issue. but for the most part, um, I handle that and work with that completely fine. so:
0: Do you think um, you would want to train our children to have that superpower as well?
1: Um, I don't know if you need to train them to have anything. I think you just kind of let them become who they become. Um, I guess you can always like push trying to be calm in situations and trying to, you know, think rationally and, you know, not move off of emotions. Um, but I mean, I guess sometimes it's good to do that as well. You know, it's not one approach is the best approach. I don't think you should try to train your kids to be like you. I think you should just kind of be there and be a support system and amplify who they are.
0: And model, right? Because maybe they'll pick up some. They're great um, mimickers, children they are. All right. How do you practice grace with yourself, others, or like the work that you do?
1: I don't know. That's like a really formal question. How do I practice grace? Um, I would say that I don't. I would say that no, I would just I would say that I just try to be a genuine person. I just try to be an honest human being with everyone. Um and I don't know if this is even in the same vein of what your question is, but I feel like sometimes like people lose sight of the fact that we're all just people. You know, we're all just human. So uh just just trying to be a good person to, to everyone and hopefully have that reflected back onto you.
0: What about self grace or grace on self? How are you kind to yourself? I guess.
1: How am I kind to myself? Um, you know, just by trying to take care of my health, I guess. Uh, working out. I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't classify it as working out. Just you know, being being active, um, trying to monitor what I eat and what I intake. You know, I kind of started this lightweight um, weight loss journey actually before. Uh, this whole thing happened so um, just c- trying to stick to that and, and see that through and follow that through so that's that's been like a way for me I guess to be kind to myself even though it doesn't seem like it's kind <laughs> to myself
0: he's being really modest everyone Kenny lost like well how much
1: I started at two twenty five and I am down to like for the low one nineties, so over thirty pounds.
0: Yeah, thirty pounds in maybe three months, four months. At two and a half. And he like went he now has like a six pack leaving COVID. I don't have a six pack. <laughs> well, I mean if you keep it up you're about to. Have you felt like your your like your ability to um, participate in life and move through life has improved since you've done this
1: I mean Practice I feel lighter safe. physically mm-hmm. um, I mean besides that not really it's not like oh I have more energy to do stuff I, I have the same amount of energy I had before I'm just putting it to use in other ways mm-hmm. um, yeah
0: great job good job okay what are you grateful for what
1: am I grateful for um I'm grateful for like the time that we've had during this quarantine to you know be around the kids more and to watch them grow, like kind of be forced to watch them grow up um you know when when you're going into work and you're there for most of the time you still come home and, and see them you know during the night time and you have them during the weekends but now i see them almost you know all seconds of the day when you know they're within eye range so it's like a double edged sword, right? It's like you're grateful for it, but at the same time you're like I kinda wanna get away from them a little bit. Um, but you don't really have these opportunities, right? Like most people don't have these opportunities to get like the best of both worlds to, to be employed, to be able to work from home and to see your young kids growing up and learning stuff and doing new things and so I would say that's what I'm grateful for.
0: Nice. All right. Before I do the fire offs when you hear "thrive in resilience," what do you think about?
1: Just making the best of what you're dealt. I, I assume, like, thrive in your resilience. Um, just, yeah, I, I would kind of stick by that. Sorry, I don't have more. <laughs> I have more. No. For you. Thrive <laughs> in your resilience. Yeah, that that's what I would. I would I would fall back on just you know everyone has some form of resilience some some issues that they work through in life or something that they're facing and you know just taking that negative whatever it may be and turning it into a positive whether it be positive mind state moving forward or just knowing that you have been through something before and you learn from it you won't make the same mistake again so
0: nice all right so here's our rapid fire um but before we do our rapid fire just want to tell a quick story. Kenny has tattooed on his chest um, the word survivor and I think it was in October I can't remember actually when it was last year or maybe it was at the beginning of this year I was like I think you need to get your tattoo changed or something added to it Um, because you're no longer living in survival mode Um, you're in thrive mode you're in what do we, what more do we do from this space? And, you know, we're very fortunate that Kenny has accomplished all that he has to, um, I think, do exactly what he wanted to do for his family. And that's to be like an extremely huge supporter, um, both financially, emotionally, um, and just the stability and just that dependable supporter. So, uh, you know, I think I, throughout our time together, I've definitely seen the shift from, from a survivor who, um, who is, you know, just kind of, just kind of making it to someone who's really just grinding to, um, have balance and harmony in their life. And and kind of grinding in a way that protects themselves, as well, so that they can, so they they can last the marathon essentially, um, and sets those boundaries, for, what life looks like for them, so. That's really awesome. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you just you just spit all over <laughs> me. <I'm sorry. sighs>
0: okay, so here's our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. sure. Um let's start with this one. Well, I guess we should go in order. I think I want this one first. What's something you're hopeful for?
1: I hope these questions aren't all this hard. Um <laughs> something that I'm hopeful for. It's just
0: uh, off the top of your first like
1: uh for this pandemic to end soon.
0: Favorite color? Red. Favorite number eight favorite word
1: no <laughs> what? really I, I don't know does any word <laughs> Favorite word Is yeah. that, i didn't know that's a i didn't know people have favorite words what's your favorite word
0: <laughs> um i like breathe
1: okay yeah i don't have a favorite word
0: uh i like matter I don't know. I could have a lot of favorite words, actually. All right. What brings you joy?
1: Food. Really? Yeah. Hmm.
0: What's your favorite environmental feature?
1: Like in the world?
0: Yeah. Like, what are you like? Oh, that's just my thing. I love that. Every time I see this in the environment, it makes me happy.
1: Uh, I like looking at the ocean.
0: Ocean. Who's your number one fan? You. <laughs> uh. Finish this statement. Water is water
1: <laughs>
0: <No. laughs> What <laughs> you want <laughs> Water is water. <laughs> yeah, technically.
1: I'm not a poet.
0: You'd be really good at this because we've been listening to Brene Brown's podcast.
1: So, or you want me to go on like a diatribe like water is the life sustaining force, like, nice. water is water. We need water, we should protect water. Water is water.
0: All right, that's that works great. That's that's great. Water is water. All right, everyone. Well, uh, mahalo piha to my husband and partner, Kenneth Raymond Shaw Jr. For coming and being my first guest on Thrive and Resilience, and it's um pretty pretty essential that he's my first guest. Is he um, is the epitome of to me of what Thrive and Resilience looks like, and um yeah, he's that if I've ever seen it. But mahalo piha for coming and listening to us. I hope you enjoyed the second episode of Thrive and Resilience. Um, be well, be good to you, and, uh, we'll be back soon. we ho. All right, fourth time is a charm. So I hadn't recorded this when I was talking with Kenny, and, um, I really wanted to come back and make the correction because I do want to get in the practice of saying this at the end of each of my episodes uh, and interviews with people, um... So here it goes for the fourth time. Kenny, I honor you, I'm proud of you, I'm rooting for you, and I love you. And thank you for being in Thrive and Resilience. Mahalo.